listening to Story City Church in Granada Hills, California. We exist to glorify God by leading communities into healthy relationships with Jesus and with others. And here is this week's message. Um, the reason we stand up is to show uh, reverence and to show attention uh, that we are ready and focused on what the Lord has to say to us this morning. Uh, at the end, uh, I will say, this is the word of the Lord, and you'll respond with, thanks be to God. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. For we have also received the good news, just as they did. But the message they heard did not benefit them, since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we, who have believed, enter the rest, in keeping with what he has said. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest, even though his works have been finished since the foundation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way, and on the seventh day God rested from all his works. Again, in that passage he says, they will never enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter it because of disobedience, he again specifies a certain day, today. He specified this speaking through David for after such a long time. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Chris. Welcome, family. Happy Sunday. There's two guarantees uh, if you're part of this church. One, that we will preach the gospel of Jesus, his life, death, resurrection, and return. And the second one is that I will wear 49er gear on kickoff weekend every single year. So those are two guarantees. Uh, If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Samir. I have the honor of being one of your pastors. Such a joy to be with you. It's a great weekend um, because it's kickoff weekend, so it's fun. Um, I just want to also encourage all of us to continue in the heart of what our series is about, right? So last week we started our series in equipping us for depth and restoration in Christ because our annual series, our annual theme is to pursue depth and restoration in Christ. That means to pursue depth in understanding and to pursue practical living of what we understand. Right? And so how do we do that? That's what this series is for, as in we are getting equipped into how do we pursue these things? How do we live in a place of depth and restoration in Christ. Last week we talked about really the why for spiritual disciplines, which is the equipping, right? How do we grow in our spiritual disciplines? God, he is a pursuing and intimate God who loves us deeply. 
Remember that last week we talked really in depth about that and how he pursued Adam and Eve in, Gen- in, in the book of Genesis through the, eat, the Garden of Eden. And in our pursuit of God in return, we engage him through these spiritual disciplines. So as we are going, we are drawing near to God as he is drawing near to us. And so we talked about two types of spiritual disciplines. We talked about the as-you-are-going disciplines and the as-you-are-still disciplines. Now, as-you-are-going disciplines are those that, man, we can just, as we are walking, as we are going about our life, as we are driving our kids to school, we can pray, we can consider, we can talk to our kids, we can listen to worship, we can pause for a moment to just write in our journal. We can find moments throughout our day as we are going to engage with God in return. I hope if you were here last week that you started to even think and chew on and process, maybe start to apply some of these as you are going opportunities to draw near to God as he is seeking after you, as he is pursuing you to be near and intimate with you. Those are a desire of his and I hope it becomes a desire of ours. I think that's something that I even pray for. God, help my heart desire you more because even that is something that we need help with as we pursue God. Today, we're going to continue our equipping of depth and restoration series. We're going to talk about the as you are still disciplines. As you are still disciplines. These might seem a little more far-fetched for some of us because the as you are going ones, oh, I can apply that. I can pray while I'm driving. I can put a podcast in. I can listen to worship. That seems simple. But these as you are still disciplines could be a little more challenging. And we're really going to dive into these, and I think it's essential. And before we dive into them, I want to pray for us, and then we'll hopefully get equipped in this. Jesus, we thank you for this time with you, for this time to worship you, for this time to be together, for this time to grow and be equipped and restored in you, to learn more about you, to learn more about how we respond to you. Um, God, we pray for your spirit to indwell in us, to transform us, to teach us, to guide us and to help us be more like your son, Jesus. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So after a long day of work, um, I come home in hopes that me and Shirley, as she has finished her work day, can get together and have a great conversation after dinner, right? To talk about how our day was, to talk about how our week is going, to just engage in conversation. And so every day we try to do that after we eat. We start to talk, we start to engage, we start to try to find out how we're doing. Um, And then we hear, Mom, Dad, come play with me. Right? Or let's watch a movie. Or let's, let's, uh, Mom, Zoe hit me. Et cetera, right? Et cetera, et cetera. The, the needs and demands. Come, mom, I need you. Come. And we're trying to engage each other, but yet the, the chaos around us, not that our kids are chaotic, they're great, but there's a need, right, and a demand that noise is coming from the outside where we're really in the moment of trying to grow in depth in our relationship. It's, it's, it's impossible when there's chaos and noise around us, right? It's hard to really engage in depth in those moments. So what we recognize is like, hey, we need to set time when our kids are not there so that we can actually engage that. So we're starting to hopefully really do that on Fridays during lunch and to realize like, hey, we need some set time that's quiet so we can actually know how we're doing 
And not, not date nights, because that's a little different. That's more of like, you know, fun time. But this is more of like, hey, how are you? How, how am I? How can we engage one another? Slow down, to be quiet, to be still before each other, and to engage one another that way. We need this for our relationship. And in, in the same way, we need the moments of pause. We need the moments of stillness and solitude to be near and to hear God. There's, there's no difference in relationship in that understanding. When, when the chaos is around us, when the noise is loud, it's impossible to hear and be near to God. Or at least it's a lot harder. Today we'll dive into the vital understanding of these still disciplines, these, these still disciplines of Sabbath and solitude. Sabbath and solitude. What are these two disciplines? What are the, you might have heard them. They might be something that seems like it's, it's out in the wilderness somewhere and I've never really seen it actually done well. I've heard about it before, but I don't know what that looks like. What is even Sabbath? What does that even mean? I've heard it. Uh, is it do we just stop and do nothing? What's the purpose? What's the intent? Um, but they are essential for our health, spiritually and physically. Um, and so I want to dive into them. So first I want to do it by giving definitions of Sabbath and solitude because sometimes those, if we're not clear on them, can be confusing. I want to do the Sabbath one in a video again. Two weeks in a row you guys get a video. Um, but I love this because, again, Bible Project, if you don't have it, and if you want to get it, it's another way to instill uh, a discipline. Um, these videos are awesome because they do a really good job of describing them and describing what we're trying to learn. Um, and this one does it really quickly in four, four and a half minutes, so I wanted to show you this. It's, it's really important to grasp Sabbath and the why before we start to implement and understand how important it is to start putting in our schedule. So let me... Uh, Guide your attention to the screen. I hope we have it. Yes. Volume. The number seven is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah. In biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that's something we all long for, but don't often experience. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest. Yes. Now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish. And this happens over the course of six days. Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. It's like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. But the humans are deceived by a dark power and they forfeit that rest. They're exiled into the wilderness where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But 
How? They're in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who's grinding them into the dust. So God confronts Egypt and liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the promised land. Now, while they're on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness. It's easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. They're not in the land of rest yet. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they're in the promised land. But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come. Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there's more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. That is a lot of sevens. And there's even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest called the year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it's all pointing towards the hope of future rest. Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God, and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the promised land. They're exiled and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of chaos and disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day and that the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come, but generations go by and they're still waiting. It's at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears and he launches his public mission on a Sabbath day. Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate jubilee. Also, Jesus is claiming that seventh day rest would come through him. Right, he said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath and he confronted disorder and darkness and all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet, Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath and on the eighth day, he rose from the dead. Oh wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection, we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we're not there yet. It's like we're still in the wilderness, where we experience struggle and pain. But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now by following him. Or in his words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What a great description of what Sabbath is. It's not just a historic old um, thing that we're called to live in. It's actually in the moment of what Jesus has done for us in response. We live in this place of Sabbath. It really is a reminder of the importance of balancing work and rest, as well as the need for spiritual nourishment in one's life. 
Overall, Sabbath is a sacred and designated day for worship, reflection, and rest. Offering individuals a time to pause from their regular routines to nurture their spiritual and emotional well-being. That's the heart, really, of a Sabbath day, a Sabbath rest. So what's solitude then? If there's Sabbath, then what's solitude? Solitude really, as depicted in the scriptures, is a deliberate, purposeful practice of setting aside time to seek God's presence, engage in prayer and meditation, and deepen one's spiritual connection to God. It is a means of drawing closer to God, experiencing inner transformation, and growing in our faith. Okay? We, we have to distinguish between solitude and isolation. Just because you go by yourself somewhere doesn't mean that that's solitude. Solitude is not isolation. Isolation often arises from a negative emotion like loneliness or a desire to avoid others for personal comfort or protection. It can lead to self-centeredness, negative talk, and a sense of detachment from society, while solitude actually fosters spiritual growth, communion with God, and selflessness, not selfishness. Isolation can contribute to loneliness, emotional distress, and a lack of meaningful connection with God and with others. So I just think it's important to get an idea of what Both are solitude and Sabbath because they're both God's design for rest. That's God's design. So our big idea for today is just that. God's design for rest is Sabbath and solitude. Some of you might be feeling a little overwhelmed right now, like, oh my goodness, I don't know how to do that. What is that? Don't be intimidated. Right? This is what the Lord desires for us, and I hope we can give some guidance into why it's essential and even some practical tools in how we can walk in it. But the reality is, is if I ask the question, how are you doing today, a lot of, our, a lot of people will respond saying, pretty tired, or I'm busy, one or the other, right? Tired or busy. See, resting in our culture can be challenging for several reasons. Really, rest is an anomaly, or it's even foreign to some of our culture. Sometimes even laughable. Like, what? What do you mean, rest? See, why is that? See, the reality is we are all in the spectrum of one of these 10 that I'm going to list. Of Why is it so hard for us to rest in our culture today? First one, we live busy lifestyles, right? It's just kind of the expectation to be busy. Busy is good, right? We assume that's, that's a good thing. That's what our culture says. Second one is technological advances make it even harder to separate ourselves from work, right? Because it's with us all the time for a lot of us that need our phones or our devices to connect with our work. Third, cultural values. Some cultures prioritize Uh, don't prioritize rest. They prioritize more of the achieving and the productivity of life rather than rest. I mean, our culture definitely is one of those. Or FOMO, right? Fear of missing out, right? We see social media does a great job of making you feel like you're missing out on life. So it creates this need to never want to take a moment because we're going to miss out on something. Or economic pressures, 
right? Financial pressures, job insecurity, or the need to work multiple jobs to make ends meet. That makes it really hard to find times of rest. Guilt and expectations is sometimes a reason. Some individuals may feel guilty when they take time for themselves as if they're being selfish. Or sometimes it's a lack of boundaries. That without clear boundaries between work and personal life, it's hard to really evaluate what it should look like. Eighth one is perceived competition. In competitive environments, whether that's work or home or family or friends, individuals may feel the need to outperform others consistently, which causes just a hard moment to be able to take a pause and be like, I'm just going to rest. Stress and mental health is really big. And cultural norms, it's just a normal thing, right? We don't really rest much in this culture. It's just go, go, go. Don't stop. We can't stop. See, these are all real to me. I don't know if any of those connected with you. I'm assuming at least one of those are like, wow, that's a real tough one for me. Because that does help, that does cause anxiety and, and hardship for me to even respond in rest. But these are real for me because there was a season in my life where I went through real bad burnout. I don't know if you've experienced that before, but it's, it's hard when um, you're doing life with these 10 expectations on your back consistently we have limits as humans and we will crash and burn. There was a moment of that in my life and it was a real big moment in my life when I picked this book up actually right here called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I don't know if you guys have heard of it or have seen it. It's very challenging because it really engages that topic of slowing down. Why are you hurrying kind of idea. And the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry really helped transform my perspective of these two practices of Sabbath and solitude to help restore my soul back to the Father. See, I was living a life in a journey as a pastor, and I was struggling with this very thing of burnout. So this is not an immunity to anyone. We all can struggle with this idea of hurrying and pace that will really just demolish our soul in a way that can cause burnout. It was a life-changing moment for me. I want to read a quote, a quote really quick um, in this book and, um, where John Mark Comer, Comer, not Homer, get those mixed up sometimes. Uh, he says this and this idea of hurriness, and he actually is quoting not just Christian believers or, or, or scholars, but actually secular ones that believe that this is a really big issue in our culture today. He reads this. I think you'd find it interesting. He says, it's not just spiritual writers from a century ago who are claiming our life speed is out of control and very dangerous. More and more experts are weighing in. Uh, psychologists and mental health professionals are now talking about an epidemic of the modern world called hurry sickness. Actually is labeled as a disease. Hurry sickness. When I read that, I was like, Whoa. Here's a definition of what they would consider hurry sickness. A behavior or pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Here's another. A way in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and to get flustered when encountering any kind of delays. Meyer Friedman 
the cardiologist, who rose to fame for theorizing that type A people who are chronically angry and in a hurry are more prone to heart attacks. He defines hurry sickness this way, a continuous struggle and unremitting, unremitting attempt to accomplish or achieve more and more things or participate in more and more events with less and less time to do it. Friedman was the one who also originally coined the phrase hurry sickness after noticing that most of his at-risk cardiovascular patients displayed a harrying sense of time urgency. That's a, when I read that, I was like, wow, that's profound. Because this is not only an issue or a concern that God is claiming to be for humanity, but scientists and psychologists and people that are more in the secular realm are recognizing hurry sickness to be an issue in our culture. Other quotes that I loved from this book, he said, if the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy. I thought that was interesting. This idea of unhealthy busy, not saying just be lazy and do nothing, but this unhealthy busy is the need to always hurry to the next thing. Where the healthy busy is that there is, you're doing the healthy, right, necessary things, the important things, and that you can be present as you are doing them. Very big difference within the two. Because the truth is, hurry is the enemy of the spiritual life. Hurry is the enemy of the spiritual life. So I want to give us four truths of God's design for rest, being Sabbath in solitude, and it's an acronym, R-E-S-T. Brendan thought of that one. I'm not going to take the credit for it. We do, we do like a connected um, time of study to, to, as a staff to talk about our, ser- our sermons on Sundays, and we love it. Uh, and this was an awesome one that I think hopefully will connect for you, that will give a truth and also give you a practical application. So R, the first one, is required. Sabbath and solitude in God's eyes, is required. Hebrews 4, like we read, 1 through 3, underscores the necessity of entering God's rest. Making time for rest is crucial for our physical and spiritual well-being. Just as we allocate time for work and responsibilities, we must also allocate time of rest. Of rest. See, guys, God knows better. He knows better than us. I mean, I know we can say that here, but to really believe that. In the way God created and designed humanity from the beginning, he created all the world. He created all creation, the skies, the earth, the water, the birds, the air, everything. And then on the sixth day, he created humanity. On the sixth day, he created humanity. Guess what the first full day was allocated for? The, the, last, the first full day for humanity was the seventh day, which was the day of rest. That's significant because God created everything good and then on the sixth day he created humanity and then he said, your first full day, I want you to rest in my creation. I want you to rest in me. His first call for us was to rest in him. That's a big deal. It wasn't go work hard to earn your rest Go work hard and figure it out. It was rest. I did the work for you. Now trust in me. I got it. That's the gospel. 
Jesus came, did all the work. He came, he lived, he died, he rose, he promised his return. And he's saying, come follow me and rest in assurance that I have done the work. That we can rest in that truth. And so we live and we work out of the truth of assurance and rest in him. Not proving and working so hard so that we can earn our rest. That's what the world says to do. Earn your rest. God is saying, rest. And work out of the place of comfort and assurance and truth in me and work from a place of rest. That's a big difference. It's a big difference. To know already that we have been given assurance and not have to earn, be earning the assurance that we have been given in Christ. That we can live out of a place of confidence and work out of a place of confidence and self-assurance rather than, am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing this? And always constantly hurrying to earn something. That's a big deal. I have a question for us too. In alignment with, it's a required thing that God gives us. Since when was it nine commandments and one suggestion? Since when was it nine commandments and one suggestion? I thought it was ten commandments. You guys know that the Sabbath day is the fourth commandment. It is a commandment from God. And for whatever reason, that fourth commandment of Sabbath is, just seems like more of a suggestion to us rather than a commandment. God is requiring us to rest. Every commandment is for our good. But we sometimes think the fourth one is just, it's just a, when I get to it, maybe one day when things slow down, right? Exodus 20, 8 through 10, clearly remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In it, you shall not do any work. Guys, this isn't a suggestion from God. This is not a suggestion. I heard a pastor preach on this and he said that he preached all the the most difficult topics you can think of in culture and people ate it up but when he preached on sabbath he lost a lot of people from his church because it's a way out of the norm idea but it's a commandment from god to rest he knows better and so our application for our required response is to block out time. Simple. Sounds simple. Not easy. Right? Things can be simple but not easy. Block out time. So this is the when response of application. Block out time. Because the reality is we cannot make more time. It's impossible. There is not more time to find. We have to block time out. So what day 24-hour day, maybe it's a Sunday, maybe it's for me and my family, it's a Friday night to Saturday evening, it's a full 24 hours, what is the day where you can set aside, and maybe in the beginning it's like it's so hard that you find only half a day, it's okay, you're building and growing on this understanding of rest in your life, it's essential, it's required from God, so the first one, required, the second truth is it's eternal, eternal. 
The E, eternal. Hebrews 9, right? What we just read, uh, Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, reminds us that the eternal Sabbath for rest for God's people to experience this, we should establish a liturgy or a rhythm of rest in our lives just as a river flows constantly. Our rest should be a regular and sustainable practice. A never-ending, flowing river that never runs dry is a symbolization of the eternal rest that has been assured in us through Christ. He has made it assured that one day we will rest for eternity with him forever and ever. And that today we can find rest in that truth. That we can find rest today now. We don't have to wait until we're with him or when he returns. We can find rest today and now. Guys, our time on earth is quick. It's but a vapor in in, in comparison to all of eternity. But when we have an eternal mindset, we have an eternal understanding of who God is, what he's done for us, and that we will be with him forever, there's no need to rush. What are we rushing for? What is there to run to other than to his feet? And that's true. Jesus came to earth, he lived, he died, he rose again for us so that we can be in his rest, so we can be at his feet. The story of Martha and Mary, do you guys remember that one? Martha was just feeling the need to work for Jesus when he came in the room and Mary was like, I'm just going to be at his feet. And Jesus is like, Mary, first of all, was concerned, Martha was concerned about Mary why is she resting at your feet? And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. She's doing the right thing. I'm here. I've done it already. Rest. So our application for the eternal understanding of Sabbath and solitude is that set a liturgy or rhythm or order for that day. So you have a daytime set. What is the liturgy or order for that day? Just the same way we have like an order of worship so that you can come in and worship through song, learn about what we're doing in the community and what's going on here, listen to God's word, close with the benediction, have time of prayer, have communion. There's rhythms and order to engage God in the same way when we allot a day of rest, we have a need to allot a rhythm and an order so that we are connecting with him intentionally. Stopping, resting, delighting, and contemplating. As you consider your rhythms, those are four essential things. That's uh, Pete Schizero. He's one of the guys who writes a lot on this topic. He's great. Um, These are four questions he asks and says, these are good questions to ask yourself as you're considering, what should my day look like? Because a day to just go and do nothing feels more stressful to me than to just go to work. Right? I know that was true for me, especially early on. This seems more stressful. These are questions you can ask yourself. What do I need to stop that relates to my work? Whether that's paid or unpaid, right? The next question, list the activities that create delight and rest for you. What are things that actually give you delight and rest? Maybe a nap. <laughs> what are those things? How can you structure your day to cultivate a greater awareness of God in your life and in the world? Maybe that day is coming to church. 
Like there is that moment where you're reminded of the good news. And what might help you see God's goodness and miracles all around you today? So those are four questions as you're thinking about your day. How do you figure out a day of rest, liturgy, order, rhythm? Those are good questions to ask yourself. So not only are you setting time, you're also creating a little schedule within that time so there's order for rest in your life. Third one, the S. So it's got R is required, E is eternal, S is for sacred. Sacred, it's a sacred time. Sacred time. Hebrews 4.11 says, encourages us to treat our rest as sacred. Just as a chapel or a sanctuary here provides a sacred space for worship, we should find a dedicated space for solitude and rest where we can connect with God. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. See, I love looking at the life of Jesus as our example for everything and anything. This is no different. The life of Jesus is the perfect example. A lot of people can look at his life and be like, man, he came to earth as God and did a ministry, his ministry for only three years. All that he accomplished was in three years. And some would say he must have been busy. He must have lived a hectic life. He must have been all over the place. That's just not true. Over and over and over again, we see Jesus going away. Going, taking time to himself. Going up to the hill. Falling asleep when there's a storm going on. He was a man who was rested in God. And he accomplished the greatest thing all of humanity could accomplish. I had a bunch of verses for those. Mark 1, 35, we see that he's waking up in the morning. He gets up. He left the house and went away in a secluded place praying. Matthew 14, after he had been sent, after he sent the crowds away, after he finished his preaching, he went right up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it, when it was evening, he was there all by himself. Mark 6, 46, after bidding them farewell again, saying bye, he left them and went up to the mountain to pray. Luke 6, 12, it was at that time when he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. These are just some of the real verses that God, that God is showing us in Christ that he is not only asking us to do this, but he's living it out through Jesus as our example. And then Jesus says, not only am I doing this myself, I'm gonna invite you in to do it with me. In Matthew 11, 28 through 30, he says, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon, sorry. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He is rest. Jesus is rest. And so my application for sacred is simply find a space. Find a space. Where is this space for you? Jesus had the Garden of Gethsemane. When he goes up to the mountain, maybe for you it's somewhere different. Maybe for you it's a hiking spot that you like to go to. Not necessarily to spend the whole 24 hours there, but just some time there within your order. Or maybe it's your room. Or maybe it's the shower. Or maybe it's your car. What space is that space that's sacred 
where you know you're going before the Lord. Such an essential time. So it's required, it's eternal, it's sacred. T is it's trustworthy. It's trustworthy. Hebrews 12 emphasizes the trustworthiness of God's word. To fully embrace rest as essential, we must believe in the reliability of God's design. He designed it. Just as a pilot relies on a trustworthy system, we should rely on God's wisdom in rest, in resting well. He has a perfect plan. Psalms 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect and reviving the soul, rejuvenates our soul. Do we believe that? Do we believe and trust that rest is essential for our souls? Trusting that God's plan for our entire being is perfect. He has a perfect design and plan. And resting is part of that plan. Resting in him. We cannot be our full and true best self without true rest. That's what God is displaying here. It's the truth. Do we believe that to be true? It's ultimately the rest that we have in him, in what he's done, in the assurance that he's given us. See, guys, this isn't another task that, we're giving, that God's given us. He's not saying, go and do this because it's going to make you a better person. He's saying, just come and be with me. It's not a task. It's a moment. I think it, it, that shift of understanding is essential. It's being with the life giver. It's being with the one who is going to give you life, that we are dependent on him, assuring that he can do it, not me, not us. He knows better. Guys, I just want to encourage us, let's not learn the hard way like I did. And maybe you have learned the hard way and you have experienced that burnout. Let's not make the same mistake. And will you help me? not make the same mistake because this is something I'm always consistently re-looking at. Am I doing this well? Am I, am I doing this well with my family? Because life, seasons of life change. We got to adjust, right? Our, our age of our kids change. Our, our school schedules change. Our work schedules change. It's a consistent growth in how do we shift our time so that we can be with God. So I love this little quote by one of the guys that I like reading on this topic, Justin Early, um, in Habits of Purpose, uh, The Common Rule. He says this, he says, Sabbath is the essence of our salvation. That's a huge statement. It's the essence of our salvation. That we can rest because God has done all that needs to be done already. We can rest because he's done it already. I want to share what I was wanting my big idea to be, but I wanted to share it here. And it it might hurt some of y'all a little bit, but the reality is slow down. You're not that important. You really aren't. Like, trust me, like I promise you that if you take a day, the world will be okay. Like your family will be okay. You know, like if you turn your phone off for a day, it'll be okay. I'm speaking and preaching to myself here too, because this is so true. It'll be okay. Not only will it be okay, it'll be better. Because your soul will be revived. That you will be near to the Father and you will be near to your family and those you love that much more. So the application for this last truth simply is 
Believe that it's vital and give yourself grace. Believe that it's vital and give yourself grace. This is the what? Essentially, coming to a place where we, from the head to the heart, the furthest place a man, a human travels, right? We can believe it here, but to really grasp it in our heart. Do we really believe that this is vital for our well-being, for our soul, for our heart, for our bodies, for everything, for our existence to be well? Do we Sabbath and, and have solitude? Learning, studying, finding community that keeps you accountable, encouraging one another. Hey, how are you doing with rest? Do you feel look tired? How's that going? What are some things you can adjust? How can we help you? How can we do that together? What do you do? Help me understand what you do. Oh, at our family, we like to light a candle to remember that. What is your thing that helps you rest in God? To help you solitude, to help you find Sabbath rest. I'm going to name off a few authors that are great they, if you remember them, or if you want to come uh, and ask more questions, there's actually going to be at the next steps table. There's a little QR code that you can scan that, that Josh did for me, which I appreciate. Where you, If you want to learn more about this idea of Sabbath, not only what it is, but how do I live it? How do I walk in it? What does that look like? Uh, Pete Scazzaro has a great resource that you can get that we can provide for you that just gives you some good, good, good insight into continuing this thing called Sabbath. But some of them are John Mark Homer, like I mentioned on the ruthless elimination of hurt, ruthless elimination of hurry. AJ Swobodo does a great job in his book Subversive Sabbath. He has a sermon on it that I listened to. It's great. Alan Fadling, Unhurried Life. Pete Scazzaro, all his stuff is great. Justin Early, Common Rule and Habits of the Household. These are all really great resources. So lastly, just want to encourage us, give yourself grace. Give yourselves patience in implementing something new, if this is new to you, or maybe this is something you've been doing, but you're stumbling a little bit on how to do it well, give yourself grace, learn, grow. This is essential for our well-being. This is an essential practice, discipline for our soul. Give yourself grace as you grow, continue to grow in it. This was a difficult sermon for me to prepare only because uh, there's a lot to really talk about and to really refine it within 30 minutes, but not rush through it which is just an ironic thing to feel like I'm rushing through a restful topic. Um, but there's a lot more. I feel like I can do a whole series on this topic. Maybe we will one day, um, but it's so good. And, and I just pray that God will restore your soul as you simply apply some of these awesome disciplines. So in conclusion, God's design for rest is rooted in Sabbath and in solitude. It's a vital aspect of our lives. It's required so we must take time for it. It's eternal, so we should establish a consistent rhythm or order. It's sacred, so we should find a special space that really gets us there. And it's trustworthy, so we should believe it's essential for our spiritual and physical well-being. Let me pray. God, we thank you that you know better than us, that you are so much better at this thing called life. You designed it. You made it this way, and you've called us and asked us to rest, but yet we simply get so tied down to the ways and patterns of our society more than the ways and patterns of your word. So God, would you forgive us for that? Would you help us, God, refine and grasp more of what this means to rest in you, to rest through Sabbath, to rest through solitude, to follow the way of Jesus, to use him as our example, our Lord, our Savior, 
Help us to rest, God. Not only to rest physically, but to rest spiritually, that our soul will remember that our assurance is in you, Jesus, and that our identity has been defined once and for all already, that we don't have to fight for it anymore, but that you have already done the fighting for us so that we can rest in you. We thank you, Jesus, that you have took the cross for us, that you died and and broke your body and shed your blood so that we can find rest in you. And as we take communion this morning, Lord, may we remember by these elements, the bread meaning the broken body that you broke, the the, 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 the juice as your blood that was just sacrificed for us, may we take it in remembrance of you, Jesus. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you'd like to join us in person, our services are Sundays at 10 a.m. and we're located at 11011 Havenhurst Avenue in Granada Hills. Find us on Instagram at storycitygh or online at storycitychurch.com. Go and be the church.